You are now listening to Double Jump Radio. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 48 of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of doublejump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. John, how are you, mate? Hey, Abia. Um, I've not been playing any video games this week, <laughs> I don't think. I, I played like 20 minutes of Ace Combat 7, and I've already played it <laughs> a bit, so it's like no new anything. It's very, Fair uh, very slim I guess on game I'm gaming. similar. Yeah. I played about half an hour of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order last week, and yeah, that was about it. So not enough to kind of give my... Like any in-depth impressions, but I was, it was cool to see what, um, it was cool to see how well Respawn captured the Star Wars like kind of universe and the the atmosphere. So mm. I was I was really impressed by that. Just in that short time, I'm curious what you think of it if you end up finishing it because I think I ended up writing something about how short it ends up yeah. feeling, mm. and I'm kind of curious if you get the same reaction because I don't I'm not sure if it's like a common reaction to like finishing it. So it's like, mm. I'll, yeah, I'd be curious to see what you think about it. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I'll um definitely keep that in mind. Yeah, because it I wasn't I completely forgot that there's like a souls like element to it in terms of stamina. Oh yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that, <laughs> so I was just spamming the attacks. I'm like, oh wait, shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. I think it's kind of like it's like, I think it's like very good at it it's like I don't know I think it's when you come to it as like a Star Wars fan and you're like playing a Jedi it's very um yeah yeah it does kind of catch you off guard how weak you are <laughs> yeah but um yeah <laughs> no nah, that's cool uh, um hopefully get hopefully get the chance to play a bit more of it over the next week but I know um Ace Combat 7 like that's is that the one that was like Beyond Skies or something it was like Above Skies I forget oh, what the subtitle was, but I don't know. <laughs> it's because um, I think I'm actually not sure if this one does have a subtitle. It probably does. I don't yeah. know. I probably just missed it. But it's. Um, I just. Mm, I feel like it was like Ace Combat Five and newer, where like. It's like it. It takes. It's like really over the top, like ridiculous story. Is that right? Um. Oh. Uh, Maybe, because I played like, I want to say like five or ten hours of it like a year ago or so. So mm. I like, so I'm like coming back to it with the intention of like finishing it this time. Um, yeah. Though I didn't have made a good start. But um, the anim- like yes. it, but it has mm. like a long opening cutscene that's very anime, or at least the English dub is. <laughs> like it's kind of hard to like, the writing's like pretty rough. Or at least, again, like the dub makes it feel rougher than it probably is kind of, I don't know. Gotcha. So, you know, that like very kind of stereotype, like 20 years ago, English dub that animes tend to have, can have, where it's like, it's very like impersonal or not impersonal, but like very, um, I don't know, like not human. (laughs) It's, it's like, it's not acting. It's more reading of dialogue. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just doesn't feel Hmm. natural, but it's, um. Yeah, I don't Fair know. Enough. I don't remember it getting like full on anime <laughs> from what I played last yeah. time, but it also I could definitely see the capacity for it <laughs> like <laughs> later in the game. So I yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, because because I, I remember, yeah, because I remember like Ace Combat, the strange real universe, like that kind of narrative world where everything like this, like it's actually very super like serious and everything. But I guess it's probably what you want from like a. Basically, like an action movie version of a dogfighting game, right? Yeah, it's like it's kind of got a cool 
vibe to it where it's like it's like entirely fictional world just everything mm. is like earth machinery <laughs> like you know like all earth planes and stuff like real world um yeah equipment but it's yeah it's like set in these like kind of they're almost like fantasy kingdoms i think like the way they're named mm. and it's like it's just kind of a perpetual war between armies that continue to use you know jet fighters primarily <laughs> yeah. so it's um I oh, know I find it intriguing, but I've also barely remember any of it. I think it's, mm. there, there's just something kind of like compelling to me about a game series that continues to have like a fully fictional. You know, it's like it's like military fiction, except everything else about it is like fictional and has so many, so much like space to like expand yeah. and tell the yeah. So I'd be interested to look into the history of the games actually, just because it's like mm. it's such like it's a, it's a series that's so easy to miss. <laughs> and yeah. like not know anything about yeah is, is there a new one coming up um uh, i don't remember hearing about like an eight i don't think they've announced it announced. but i'm sure it's happening because yeah. this one was pretty successful yeah i yeah. feel like the last few have done really well like once i think like the 360 era games like really broke through the mainstream oh, i thought those ones did really badly because <laughs> that was really? one where they did like the really action heavy ones where like, it's like fully dog fighting, like you're like you're like right behind and you're like chasing. I don't know. Ah, I remember enough. playing the demo and being super into it in high school, <laughs> but every time I read about it nowadays, I feel hear about how bad it is. But um, <laughs> oh, well, clearly I got my my wires crossed there. I think I don't. Know. I won't stand by it, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. So it's like I think like seven is kind of a return to form after that. Yeah. You know, because like remember how um. What was that game called? Uh, what's that racing game from like Konami or Sega? I forgot what the... Daytona? No. No. The um, Virtual Racer? No. Oh, uh, uh, Outrun? No. Getting very close. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. I wrote Wait, about is it an arcade game? Yeah, it's the one about like drifting and... Um, Ridge Racer. Yeah, that's it. Ridge Racer. It reminds me of how they did oh, like yeah. the Unbreakable one from the, in the 360 PS3 era. I think it's called Unbreakable. Mm. And it's like all about like it's kind of burnout style and you're like destroying anyway that kind of like squashed the series flat at least for now for like last like 10 unbounded. years unbound that's right got nothing right um <laughs> that's all but good. anyway i think that's kind of a similar situation where it's like you know japanese publisher took like a way too western centric approach to a very japanese series oh my god i didn't even realize um that was a completely forgot that that game existed. And it's interesting because Bugbear, which is a developer of that, I think made like Wreckfest or something, right? Oh, I feel like yeah, you might Bugbear. be right. I didn't think it was. Yeah, because like I think that was kind of yeah, yeah, Wreckfest. They made Wreckfest flat out. They made they've made quite a few like um kind of yeah. Wreckfest was the last game they did. It was like that demolition derby um game. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to bring it up later. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, fair enough. There we go. There's a connection. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's a, that's a enough for like what we've been, I guess, playing in our spare time. Let's uh, let's talk about, I guess, the article that was uh, that came out over the past week, and that was our our best reads of 2021. Yes. Um, yeah, so like I kind of I I think <laughs> I'm, I'm like I remember like I'm labeled somewhere saying I curated it, but it's like basically like you know to my eyes or like to and like I think it's like you, <laughs> oh, 
losing my words. But it's like, <laughs> um, yeah, like I kind of spearheaded it, but it's kind of agreed upon. It's like a number of articles. It's around like 15, I think, um, yep. from across last year, 2021. Um, just a lot of our like feature articles mainly, um, a couple of reviews, mm. but like, and like across like a number of, I think I tried to include like most of the writers who were, you know, yep. most active last year. So it doesn't include our entire staff, but it basically includes like one article per person who was able to, you know, write something last year. And like, oh, it's usually their best work in particular that I felt, or like their most yeah. like distinctive maybe, might be a better mm. way to say it. But um, yeah, so yeah, go check that out. I think like Kate stood out last year. She wrote like yeah, a number of essays I think, like, that were very three. good. Yeah, especially like talking about gender, yeah. gender tropes in video games. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought That's the Gruff Dad one was cool. very good. That one always, I remember that one well. I, I never even like considered the the stereotype of the Gruff Dad, but it it is so, it is so like prevalent. Like if you think about like, you know, um, uh, Liam Neeson in Taken. Uh, yes, yeah, like Bruce. Bruce, oh, I forget his name. What's his What's the actor's name? Anyway, from um, Die Hard. <laughs> And, and stuff like oh, that. Oh, Bruce like Willis. Bruce Willis, yes. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I was thinking Bruce Springsteen. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> I was thinking Campbell for some reason, even though I know he's not doing that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Bruce yeah. Campbell, was he the evil lead guy? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Gotcha. But, um, yeah. No, quite a few articles there. And, and um, yeah, thanks so much for putting it all together and like creating like a handy handy place to for everyone to catch up on what we thought were were our favorite articles from last year and i'll i'll include a link to the uh, the piece in the in the show notes so everyone at home can check it out for themselves cool how about we talk about the major news from this past week and i think it's the first week in a while without activision blizzard I think. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. That I think that's the biggest news piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Frame our podcast episode around the absence of a company, finally. <laughs> it is nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so the the major news stories for this past week kicked off with, I guess, uh, Rockstar Games, Take-Two Interactive coming out and answering all the speculation, all the fan outcry. I feel like every time a GTA GTA online video goes up, there's always a like a, an outcry of people in the comments complaining where's GTA 6, where's GTA 6. And Rockstar Games took to its Rockstar Newswire blog to uh, to I guess announce that yes, we are working on GTA 6. So I guess the the, the quote from there that's uh, that stands out is with the unprecedented longevity of GTA 5 we know many of you have been asking us about a new entry in the GTA series with every new project we embark on our goal is to always significantly move beyond what we have previously delivered and we are pleased to confirm that active development for the next entry in the GTA series is well underway so I guess that that's a confirmation that even if it's not called GTA 6 it, it's on the way which I think we all kind of knew that. It just wasn't yeah. out there. Yeah, I remember seeing like the announcement and then I was reading comments of people like excited and like surprised by it somehow. And it's like, oh, like that's not the expected, like not the reaction I expected from most people. 
to like be so it's like oh yes like it's finally confirmed it's like I, you, we knew it was coming but i guess like a lot of mm. people had doubt that it would ever come after gta 5 but yeah. so i guess i kind of get it like okay. if i feel like uh, rockstar would make enough money just by perpetually porting over gta online yeah which they they are doing <laughs> mm. okay which they finally announced <laughs> details of which is nice yeah, so uh, as I guess this was announced uh, pretty much alongside the PS5 and the Xbox Series X slash S. So uh, the the current gen ports of GTA 5 are, speci- are scheduled to be released on March, I think it was 15. Yeah, um, that sounds right. And then, uh, but the PS5 is going to get an exclusive version of GTA Online, which is being spun out as a standalone release. So I guess if you just want to play GTA Online GTA Online and you don't want to, you know, play through the first few missions of GTA five, you can you can do that now. Uh, at least if you're on PS five for the first three months. Yeah, it's yeah. Because they already did that with Red Dead, so it's not it's actually kind of surprising they didn't do it already. But I yeah. guess if GTA five feels like it's like been was it? Because so, it was since like 2013, right? So it's been almost <laughs> yeah, a decade. So I feel like it definitely yeah. feels like a game that's been like, you know, kept together with duct tape at this point. Especially when they're going to keep going with it, <laughs> with the new next-gen release. Yeah. I think it's like the Skyrim and GTA Five are like the two like kind of meme games that always get ported. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll so, definitely see um, another, another, like another yeah. fourth era after this, I'm sure. I'm kind of of curious to see what they do with it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what we've got so far is just a confirmation that there's going to be, quote, new graphics modes. um, And these modes will support up to 4K gameplay um, and up to 60 frames per second. They're also going to boast upgrades to uh, texture quality and the draw distance, um, as well as the options for, you know, high dynamic range and ray tracing. I guess these are like taking advantage of the newer hardware in both of the new systems <clears throat> and i guess the the other things that'll come with it is you know taking advantage of the super fast ssds and super fast memory in both systems uh the 3d audio capabilities on both sides uh, as well as like specific features like dual sense you know the the i guess the haptic triggers like the upgraded haptic triggers on there and like the standard haptic triggers on the xbox series uh, consoles and yeah i guess Folks who are at home are wondering, you know, what's going to happen to all of my content and all of my saves. Uh, there's going to be a, quote, one-time migration, end quote, uh, from, uh, you know, PS4 slash Xbox One versions of the game to their respective, I guess, console replacements. I don't believe you can go from one platform to the other. Like, as in, like, switch from PlayStation to Xbox or vice versa through the generations. I don't think that's possible. Yeah, I'd be surprised if that's kind of a normal thing, right? It's like it doesn't really. Oh wait, no, there was mm. one game that did it kind of recently. I don't know. It's not worth getting to, but yeah, I wouldn't expect it. Like you know, changing ecosystems. Yeah, like I, I can't really think. Although, if it's through the social yeah. club, maybe, but I'm not sure how easy that is. Yeah, I think that I think the the reason why it doesn't happen like commonly is because of the licensing of the content between. The two platform holders. Ah, oh, right. Like, and this is like, this is kind of one of the things that Sony was reluctant about crossplay is that 
remember we saw the rumor that like Sony was like, okay, if if the majority of the playtime is on PS4, you know, we're gonna take all the royalties off the like you know the DLC uh, yeah. purchases and stuff, even if they play on other systems. So I'm sure there's, I guess like Sony and like Nintendo and Microsoft, I feel like financially as an overall company isn't in the best spot so i guess it makes sense that if playstation is the cash cow why compromise it yeah it's yeah <laughs> it's only have a lot to gain <laughs> from being kind <laughs> of brute brutish about it yeah yeah no, that that's yeah i mean that's speculation on our part but i'm pretty confident that that would make sense uh given kind of the wider context of sony's financials but anyway i digress I get, uh, the final part of the GTA news is that um, uh, this is coming from Video Games Chronicle. So at a recent uh, in investor meeting uh, earlier this week, <laughs> what's interesting is that uh, Rockstar and uh, Take-Two Interactive, which is Rockstar's parent company, announced that it had sold roughly 5 million copies of Grand Theft Auto V since its last reporting period in November. So yeah. November, December, January. So that would be like one quarter. It must be like it lines up with a quarter for them. And so like, you know, in that three months, they sold 5 million copies of GTA V alone. <laughs> and the, and so the crazy insane. thing is, it they sold 15 million total copies of GTA titles. So that means approximately 10 million of those uh, sales were not GTA V or online. So, do you think they're all that GTA trilogy, you know, definitive edition <laughs> like bundle? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> like, I bet, like, because I was like so close to buying it before the reviews came out. So, I bet yeah. that was like a lot of yeah, a lot of people playing it. A lot of people. I yeah. bet like so many people buying it, like regardless, just to see like the awful bugs. <laughs> it's, like, and that's it's the thing. The- like, you know, we're clued into what's happening in gaming, but I'm sure like. Like, imagine, like, you've got an older cousin or something who's like, oh, my God, I remember San Andreas on the PS2. You know, they 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 just, like, chuck it, buy it. And then yeah. they're like, you know, maybe maybe they don't even notice that things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than ever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, you're probably right. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a big, you know, casual mainstream audience who would, like, not know any of this stuff until it starts popping up on social feeds. So I'm sure it just got a lot of money up front before things started like really spreading. <laughs> but um, I wonder how many refunds were issued afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, so Maybe they'll be in this much? quarter. I don't actually remember. Like, were there many? Like, because um, I remember like they did it with Cyberpunk, but I, I don't remember if they did it with the GTA trilogy. I think Sony. It's like a case by case basis. So I think if you reach out and say, "Hey, this is what's happening." I think Sony would do it, especially if you've, like, just bought it. And, you know, Steam's got that thing where it's, like, you, you have to, like, return it within two weeks or have played it for less than two hours. So, right. it'll be... I wonder... If, I think, like, the other platforms have kind of done the same thing as well, so... Okay. Yeah. Um. Well... I can't think of uh, anything else GTA-related that would have sold. I mean, maybe maybe there a lot of copies of Chinatown Wars were uncovered. <laughs> 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 oh, this box in the back. Storage somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's millions of oh, copies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, you know, underneath all the copies of E.T., we found Chinatown Wars. <laughs> but I feel like Chinatown Wars is actually good. I feel like... Like, I remember you, you, you played that game that was, like, similar to it, and it, it kind of... 
Yeah, I, I um, love that. I love Chinatown Wars. <laughs> I really like that one. Yeah, because I played like, yeah. uh, I don't remember what it's called now. American Fugit- Fugitive, that's it. Yep. Yeah, it's like, it's a lot like it. But um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. definitely well, not a rag on Chinatown Wars. <laughs> but I do love the idea yeah. of someone just finding a bunch of coffees. <laughs> well, speaking of things being improved and brought over to the new systems, uh, tell us about the state of play that Sony uh, held for Gran Turismo 7. Yes, so it's um, it's kind of like in the midst of like delay rumors as well, which it has mm. confirmed is not true. So it's still launching in March or yep. yeah, March. Um, but it kind of state of play that revealed a lot of kind of the basic or like core details and features of G- Gran Turismo 7. So um, first was a theme that kind of runs through a lot of these features so is um from kazunori yamauchi um, who's the ceo of uh, polyphony digital so creator of gran turismo he says quote the theme is to convey the culture and fascination for cars to a new generation of people Um, so it's kind of like runs through a number of these features so we're just going through them quick so first is a world map overworld instead of like a lot of menus um, it's kind of a callback to the classic titles where like a lot yeah. of the most recent ones have been very menu heavy instead of yes. kind of having a sense of place at all. So it's kind of like a small coastal town where all the menus are kind of separated as individual locations. It's mm. not a huge change, but it definitely adds a little more, at the very least, a little more charm. <laughs> and I think it just makes yeah. things a bit nicer to manage. Um, there is a Gran Turismo Cafe that is kind of, um, it's kind of like, as described here, it's central to the game's like educational features, like because the game wants to educate people on car culture and like really bring people in into that because yeah, that's something that's, that's been that's really cool. Yeah, like I love the idea of it because there's uh, some yeah. called menu books, which I think are kind of like they're like like or like scrapbooking almost, or there's probably a better <laughs> a better analogy, but it's like you basically collect individual cars and they kind of fall into like these different menu books depending on like what brand they are or how they like who designed them and it kind of you know gives you more information as you like fill out your garage of new cars that's that's a really cool feature that i think's been missing like forza like forza used to have the forza vista mode where like like they would have top gears presenters and stuff read out and explain things about the different cars and then like apparently like the original gran turismo and ps1 had like a thick manual that actually explained you know car dynamics driving techniques and things like that like I think this is really good, especially because, like, I don't know, maybe car culture is kind of changing a lot. Like, not as many people are into cars in terms of, you know, like, they just see it as a place to go from A to B. Maybe most of them start off driving with an automatic, not, you know, manual and really learning, kind of really kind of being hands-on with how the car drives and, and things like that. So, this could be a great way to engage, I guess, a younger generation of kids who who like who have an interest in cars but this would give them a more like kind of like something short of like going going to a car meet you know what i mean like yeah. a sense of community and i hope that this gran turismo cafe will be cool like that yeah it's like that's like that's basically me like i'm i like cars generally like but like very broadly <laughs> and only, mm. it's like a big part of it is just because i drove drive with a manual car and it's like i've kind of like been drawn into the just the I don't know. I guess it's just the idea of like learning about the culture, but I haven't actually taken the step to do that. So I think mm. like the idea of having Gran Turismo Seven like be even like a slightly educational source as I play a game I want to play anywhere is a cool yeah. idea. 
Um, like it's like a car, it's like a car museum. It's like a virtual museum. Like that would be so cool. Yeah, like I, I like, um, yeah, it's just a uh, admirable at the very least. Like hopefully it's like successful with like mm. you know with this ambition. But um, just to run through a number of the other features that it's kind of um, was able to detail finally because a lot of people have been holding out for it. So it'll be more than four hundred cars at launch. Um, not sure if whether ex- extra cars will be free or you know, uh, at cost will probably be somewhat free because that's how GT Sport did it. Yeah, um, and a hundred of them will be Skylines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't wait. Um, <laughs> there will be over 34 locations and over 90 track layouts in GT7. So this is compared to GT Sport's 29 locations and 83 layouts, like currently. So that was like after mm. updates. So it's, you should have like a good amount of content to have at launch, or at least by comparison. Um, yep. There'll be 100 race events or more than 100 race events. All tracks will have limited time and weather transitions. So morning to evening time progression. So weather that can cycle between sunny and cloudy. And then there's like a few of the major like tracks that run 24 hour races. They will actually have mm. like 24 hour progression from evening through morning. Um, yeah, wet weather will also. That. Wet weather will also have like more detailed how it's like simulated. So it'll be like actually not only will like wet weather actually affect tire like driving models. It's also like the dryness will be um, simulated as well. Like as things dry over time. Was wet weather in GT Sport? I think so, but it's it was okay. like it wasn't as um it wouldn't like change. Like it wasn't like a dynamic system yeah. like they're doing for this like, one. Okay, it's a raining track. Yeah, exactly. Because um when Forza six added when when uh weather debuted in forza 6 it was like a big deal but i think it was like kind of extreme like you could literally just like touch a puddle and you just spin off the track <laughs> like it was kind of like trying too hard so i think uh, i remember it'd be interesting in, to learn this but yeah like that's a good call out as well it's like because i remember um drive club like they added rain yep. post launch as well because i had a very messy launch but i remember in like one yep. of the rain events or one of the events like i think like rain was central to it i remember being really frustrated by it because it just like throws rain on your windshield <laughs> you literally can't, can't see, see anything yeah um, so i'm kind of wondering how varied the weather model is in this like mm. it kind of i don't but, think they showed yeah. like you know really intense weather effects but i'm kind of curious yeah. The drawing line is the main thing. I wonder how, like, given the fact that most races are like three, four laps. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much it's really going to dry. Yeah, because like in the state of play, it shows like it drying, like a close-up of water, like puddles drying up. And it's like, do you really yeah. race that long? But I guess on the 24-hour ones, it's definitely yeah, worth definitely. caring about. Yep. yep. Um, there will be also be two different graphics modes. So frame rate mode um, runs at 60 frames, does not feature ray tracing, but this is used yep. for just any sort of gameplay, everything outside of gameplay, like replays and 3D stages and photo mode, etc. That'll be using ray tracing. So it'll be kind of, I think that's probably not what people hoped for, but I'm sure it yep. will be the most comfortable overall. Similar to Forza Horizon 5. Oh, okay. And same same setup there, like high frame rate in the gameplay, and then ray tracing in like the photo modes and and stuff. Right. It's like it's probably like the right decision <laughs> for yeah for a game in general. Speaking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it will also support a number of the PS5 features as expected. So 3D audio, haptic feedback, and adaptive triggers are all you know heavily featured in the PS5 version. 
Um, otherwise, PS4 version, I think, is like as it was stated, will be like pretty much the same game by oh, like that's every other. It's coming to PS4. Yeah, yeah, because it's like uh, Horizon's coming to PS4 as well, and it's really easy to forget that. Um, curious to see how those ports turn out. But yeah, um, like I, I'm, mm, like I feel like just put all your resources into making the most of the new system that you know people are still looking to justify because and find (laughs) yes because like they are getting out there and i'm like well if i just got this new system i've been dying like what was the last big playstation exclusive like ratchet and clank uh maybe or like returnal maybe it was a while ago yeah yeah so like Say Returnal was like six months ago. Six months before that was um, uh, Ratchet and Clank, and then before that was like Miles Morales, because that's when the the uh, the PS Five launched. So, you know, I think people people are hungry. Like the, these these um, tentpole releases do sell. Like Sony really does bank on these. So, I I personally would have expected, like, would have loved to have seen. I wonder what. GTA, sorry, GT Seven could be if everything was just dedicated to getting the most out of the PS Five. Yeah, be curious to, yeah, be interesting to see that. I don't, I'm not sure if it'd look too much different with Gran Turismo, but I guess there was like a chance they could incorporate ray tracing, you know, in a more yeah. significant way and stuff like that. But um, yeah, and and I'd um, I'd expect like the AI not being as sophisticating or not having as many cars on track because that mm. can like that definitely does use up a lot of the CPU. In terms of like, you know, programming, you know, routines and I guess driver behavior and things like that. Yeah. Like one thing that would have been nice was if they kept the, you know, free exchange or like the, you know, free upgrade, the PS5 version, if they're going to sell PS4. Like there's no, there's no obligation to do so. But the idea that they're selling PS4 versions partly because there's a chip shortage, you know, like they're like developing them because they're trying to still reach an audience that they, yeah, a lot of the audience can't actually be part of <laughs> otherwise um mm. so it's like it'd be nice if you know it's like if i bought gts i mean i have a ps5 but i have one of the digital ones that makes everything ultra expensive in australia and it's like um you know i'd like to buy gt7 on ps4 early if i didn't have a ps5 and i was like oh, okay i'll get one in a year anyway none of this is new information really from my part <laughs> but it's yeah. uh yeah i don't no, know it's all good but, yeah uh, well i guess I guess that's it's up to Sony to kind of make that call and uh and and then you know kind of make make that upgrade a bit smoother. Yeah. Um I did want to mention as well is like <laughs> it kind of touches cuz I don't think I explored it. It's been a second since I watched it to be honest. But like um it does like touch on the campaign mode in this game cuz GT Sport didn't have it and like something yeah. it made me realize cuz it's like you have like car wash like you can go to the garage and like wash your, you spend money to wash your car or repair your car or like yeah. just all these like little things that is classic GT yeah <laughs> and it's like it was making me realize like cuz i think i mentioned it like months ago with when i was playing Wreckfest how i really wish driving campaigns would be better cuz i'm really sick of yeah. them just being like lists of races and it's like, I'm not, yeah. it's hard to, I can't engage with that. As like something that I realized would actually solve a lot of problems is just having a health bar that I have to maintain <laughs> throughout a campaign. Like that would actually solve it, like all of them. <laughs> Cause I, like, I like the idea of having a car that I have to like maintain and that is like risk reward for like, 
actually taking yeah. a race or like wrecking because then I'll have to spend more money to fix it or whatever, whatever. Like I was just thinking it's yeah. like this, I don't know. It, like that realization where it's like, oh, this is what Wreckfest was making me think of where it's like, yeah. oh, I'm really excited That's for Gran Turismo right. 7 now because like I just <laughs> want that experience. Like that was um something that uh, Dirt Rally had was like, you know, as you go throughout the season, you know, like, you know, if you wreck your car, like if you get really damaged, there's a certain cost associated with getting repaired and you you can like throughout the season you can hire engineers and put more resources into that so it's like if i have a better engineer it's cheaper for me to repair things or it'll take less time like i think that would be i think it would be cool if i think that was actually the point like you know how gta sorry gran turismo 3 was released as a spec right Mm. there was meant to be a b spec mode where you were a team manager I think that was the story behind that. And that never happened. I don't think that came out. So that's why it's like, that's why that name was so weird. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like, um, um, yeah, yeah, but it's, I'm very, ex- I'm pretty excited for Grand Theft 7, even though I'm pretty certain I'm not going to be, like, it's one of those games where I'm very tempted to buy it at full price, even though I absolutely shouldn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. It's like, it's weird because I really don't spend much time with racing games, but when it's like it's one of those things where i've spent so little time with those franchise that i really want to dig into a proper like one now it's fascinating yeah why not yeah especially the like you know you've you've had more experience actually driving cars so maybe yeah, now helps. you've got a, a better like context maybe you have now a bit more of a respect for you know the accuracy of of things mm, yeah definitely but um yeah yeah well, so moving on so speaking of respect and potential lack of that, uh, lack of it, uh, Google has uh, officially, I guess, confirmed that it is deprioritizing de-prior- Stadia and rebranding it as something else. So this uh, came out of uh, Business Insider and was uh, transcribed via uh, Video Games Chronicle uh, because Business Insider is uh, uh, is, is paywalled. <coughs> Essentially. Google Stadia, uh, which was Google's, which sorry, which is Google's game streaming platform, uh, like Google made a huge, made a huge bet on it, and I even remember like writing an article saying how it signals the death knell for consoles, um, you know, as one of the greatest <laughs> yeah. uh, incorrect takes in history. I think. <laughs> yeah, big swing. <laughs> I mean. I can I can see it happening. You're kind of right, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's other things. It just wasn't Stadia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like everyone's going in that direction, but it's not th- not Stadia. So essentially, uh, the quote is that Google shifted the focus of its Stadia division, largely to securing white label deals with partners that include Peloton, Capcom, and Bungie, according to people familiar with the plan. So that's a quote from the the Business Insider piece. Apparently, this. Uh, uh, these sources have said that this new product is called Google Stream and essentially functions as like like Google is now selling the technology of its game streaming to these partners and letting them license it so that they can use it in their own games and 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 services. So one example is Peloton. You know, it's the it's the exercise treadmill that is known for giving people heart attacks apparently <laughs> <laughs> and hurting kids. <laughs> and hurting kids. Yes. So 
So um, apparently their their first game uh, lane break was actually powered by Google Stream. So it makes sense, like in terms of you know the the technology, like if if like latency isn't like as critical, like why not mm. use it and and take advantage of the fact that you've got at least decent enough hardware in the Pelotons to run a stream, yeah, you know, like high it, quality. Yeah, like with Peloton, it actually reminds me of like. It makes me think that Netflix would probably be into it. Yep. Yeah. Like stuff yep. like that. Like ones where they want to like diversify their platform and mm. they don't really want to mm. develop an entire system. <laughs> yep. And in, and also apparently like it's interesting to see what Capcom might do. Like I can't picture Capcom releasing like, you know, standalone versions like a streaming service but... You know how, like, was it Control and uh, Cyberpunk? Like, you know you know how some games are basically streamed onto the Switch? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Instead yeah. of being, like, running on the hardware itself? Like, I can see Capcom doing that for, like, AAA releases for the Switch going forward. Maybe that's the thing? Yeah, I can definitely see that. That makes sense. Mm. Like, because, like, yeah. um, the business side of, or something mentioned that it was, like, Capcom was into it was interested because for making demos out of it which i'm kind of curious yeah. how far that goes like is it like so people can like try it out on their phones first or i don't know i'm kind of curious like what the idea is like the intention is behind like demo specifically but i guess it could definitely expand beyond that yeah like i, I can picture like imagine monster hunter like being like playable pretty much on anything yeah like that would it's a I dream think, <laughs> yeah like imagine like you could just like, are there mobile versions of Monster Hunter, like Android and app, like iOS? Oh, there, there actually was. Yeah, that, there was actually two. Whereas, like, one was, I think, like, a kind of, like, port it, or at least one was a port of, like, Monster Hunter 2 on the iPhone, mm. like, original, like, before like 210. <laughs> like, wow. very, a while ago. Because it was, like, really, I remember seeing the images with, like, the really curved iPhone, you know, like the original one. Like the um, 3GS or something, like, yes. back then. Yeah, so they definitely tried it. I think there was like oh, there was one that was like a fully, you know, completely phone mode, ver- you know, like a very like simplified version of Monster Hunter. And then there was yeah. one that was an actual port of Monster Hunter Two that you can use controls with. I think that's mm, right. Okay. Anyway, they've tried it before, but that's definitely <laughs> like I don't think they've tested it much since then. So this might be dipping yeah. their toes back into mobile stuff again, maybe. Yeah, because like I mean, why not? Mm. Like. Imagine being able to play with friends, like on your iPad, and playing Monster Hunter Rise with your mates. Like, why not take advantage of that? Yeah, I guess like or Microsoft are trying to get get ahead of that stuff with their own yeah Game Pass and, stuff and and, and has mm. like the fact that when you get Game Pass Ultimate, like all the games coming out on Game Pass like will run already. It's a uh, pretty pretty crazy, and I guess to continue the the story, um, Google Stadia boss. Phil Harrison, who was... I feel like he's always at... Okay, so Phil Harrison, you might know him as like the tall, bald British guy who spoke at the PS4 3 launch, at oh, the okay. Xbox One launch, and the Google Stadia launch. So I feel like anytime Phil Harrison... Like, poor Phil Harrison, I don't know, anytime he's heading up a project, it, at the beginning, it's always like... Like, at the worst time. And then as soon as he leaves, people... Like, it comes good. <laughs> it's like a sucker fish or something. It's like latches on and <laughs> yeah. then it drops off. 
Now it's better. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, so apparently he's been demoted. So he was like the VP of like gaming or something at Google's, Google uh, and Google Stadia. Like he was kind of heading that up. And then now he's reporting to Jason Rosenthal, which is Google's VP of subscription services. Instead of reporting directly to Google's hardware boss, Rick Osterow. Um, yep, so I guess another another backward step for poor Phil Harrison. Um, but I don't know, it's starting yeah. to become a pattern now. Yeah, and another like, you know, <laughs> Google shuddering. Well, it's kind of, I don't know, it's not in the grave yet, but it's close. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not, well, I guess it's not that close so much as it's been moved to another place. <laughs> kind yeah. of, I don't no, know. It's like State is definitely in the grave. Behind the though. scenes. Yeah. It's on the way to the morgue. But, um, yeah, but it's like, you know, like Google said, like Google had specific versions of Chromecast. Like I think it was telling that Google, Google's latest Chromecast, so Google uh, Chromecast with Google TV, like the fact that that launched without Stadia, I think that's pretty telling in terms yeah. of like the resources behind it. Mm. Yeah, I think, it, and it was complicated from the beginning anyway. It was like a staggered release. Only some versions of the Chromecast Ultra could support it. Yeah, they had these like, you know, they had these controllers that they made custom and like, in concept, it's fa- it's like a crazy idea in terms of, you know, like the scalability of a game running on p- potentially infinite servers. Yeah. You know, like, and and then being able to like join a game from a stream just by clicking a button and without like with minimal like weight. You know what I mean? Like, there are definitely use cases there for like for collaboration, for interaction, and for scalability that you know you can't do traditionally. But maybe it was just too early, or maybe it just, maybe it just wasn't Google's, like maybe Google wasn't meant to be the one to to be the face of that. Maybe it's going to come through these partner companies. What yeah. do you think? It's like when you list off like the features, like you know the ambition for yeah. the like Stadia. It's like yeah, it should have been a white label service from the beginning, really. <laughs> like it should have been yeah. what it's doing now. So yeah, I guess it's good they're doing it before Stadia dies even more. So yeah. that's something because Stadia never made yeah. much sense when you're like selling full price games, the way you are, <laughs> yeah. with so little. And that's the thing. Like I think like I remember Assassin's Creed, Black Flag or whatever being like one of those test games for it. Right. And it's like, and that was like really early on before it was officially called. I think it was just called like Streaming in Chrome or whatever. Oh yeah, it was like, the Greece there was one. A lot of interest on it. That's yeah, right. I remember that. So it's like the, the, I mean, like could you imagine an Assassin's Creed game that is no longer held back by hardware like in terms of like the amount of you know imagine being i guess you could even consider like a you know a game like chivalry or something and being in a in a field of like hundreds or thousands of troops versus just like maybe the 64 players or whatever it supports like yeah. there, there's definitely like yeah i, I just think of like you know a, a civ game where you can actually simulate the battles that are happening well, it's like a lot yeah, of the ways these like work is more like they're you're accessing, like you're renting a really high-end PC mm. setup, right? So yep. I guess like maybe that's kind of what's happened as well because I remember Xbox One pushing that so hard with the idea that you can like you know access infinite power in the cloud, and then like yes. it's not really quite how it works. Yeah, because Crackdown Three was like a big one of that. Yeah, or whatever exactly. it was called. Um, I think it was Crackdown 3. Yeah, that was like one of the big selling games. Like, oh, it's um, procedurally generated destruction powered by the cloud. And then I think that all kind of got like rolled back and it was just like, 
Uh, yeah, it's just normal now. It's just all in the in the game <laughs> itself. Yeah, and then Stadia like picks up the baton eight years later. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you still remember this? This is cool, right? It's like, oh, this is why they didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. In terms of let's like, yeah, talking about gaming companies crashing. Um, yeah, well, I'm not sure how long we'll talk about this, but I find it interesting enough, and it's a it slow is fascinating. Enough- yeah, and it's a slow news week, so I figured I could get into it. So, um, so basically, I'm actually not sure where to... St- oh, yeah, I'll start from the start. So, we'll talk about the Intellivision Amico, which is currently... is technically a upcoming console, but it probably won't come yes. out. Um, so, first of all, this is... Intellivision, just for people at home, was a video game system slash company. I think it was, like, big in the 80s, like, during the original right, yeah. video game wave. Uh, like before the video game crash and then like this is pre like 1983 was yep. like when in television was relevant so yeah, yeah sorry much older Continue, than both please. of us <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah. um yeah so the intellivision rights were bought and by video game musician tommy tallarico so he's known mm-hmm. for video games live which is a concert series and he co-hosted, co-hosted a couple of tv shows from the mid 90s to the mid 2000s I think it's mostly game yeah. reviews, but I think there's probably other stuff involved. And since then, yeah. he hasn't done much else, basically. Um, he's kind mm. of, he's an odd person to be current, s- suddenly buying up the Intellivision rights yeah. in 2018 <laughs> and then suddenly trying to start a new console. So, yeah. the pitch... Like he, he did a lot of work for, um, uh, like, so games, classic games like uh, Earthworm Jim, uh, like... Disney's Aladdin, like like classic Sega, like if you think of like not like early nineties Sega games, Sega console releases, like a lot of his stuff was there. Uh, right. A lot of his stuff was um, like that's where he did a lot of his um, I guess that's where he kind of like made his name. Yeah, so he speak. also he also yeah. takes a lot of credit for Metroid Prime, that he's that no one has ever agreed with him on. Um, but that's another story that I don't remember the full story of. <laughs> Um, Everyone loves it. This guy sounds like a great person. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, anyway, so so from 2018 onwards, he ended up pitching and f- somehow f- like and funding through a few funding efforts. I think with outside investors, but also through like actual like public, like crowdfunding kind of things. Um, hmm. The um, and television Amico, which is basically an Ouya crossed with a Wii. Uh, the pitch is basically like a family friendly console. Which is like it's basically the Wii again, but kind of a new year instead. So it has like a family-friendly centric console that includes like two controllers that are like very are not ergonomic. They have motion control. They have disc style like kind of spinnable. D. I'm not sure if they're spinnable. They have disc style D pads and touch screens. And a big part of their pitch is that games will be like incredibly cheap, cheap as standard. Like they will not never be expensive. So mm. the original pitch was that they would cost you um, 180 US. Um, all games will be exclusive to some degree, and it will only be kid friendly. So no, nothing mature at all, like PG only, um, 2D only. So nothing 3D in terms of gameplay. Um, and games will max out at eight dollars, and yeah, so eight or lower. And with original original release date from 2018, so um, for October 2020. So obviously didn't hit that. So since then, there's been a number of delays. There's been more fundraising efforts. Um, the price is now, well, it was ha- or has been 
um, set at around two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars US, which is around the, which is very expensive. It's close to the price of a Switch at this point, and games will max out at twenty instead of eight. Um, since it's been like kind of like it's it's there's way too much to go into every detail of it, but basically it's been kind of like a long, long light of like small controversies that get like no traction. And are always kind of embarrassing if you're following along with it. So it's mm. been like there was like a leak last year of the entire like dev kit, <laughs> like dev like so it's like the entire mm. operating system. Oh, anyway, but like oh yeah, so the entire operating system ended up revealing the fact that the Amico is actually only as powerful as about a hundred dollar Android phone that was released in 2016. So I'm guessing it's yeah. like. Thirty dollars now, <laughs> something. It's like very, very cheap hardware that they're they're pricing up very, very high from the very beginning too. Um, yeah. So, and there was also a note that Intellivision was met set to take fifty percent of all game revenue as of like March last year. This is when that information came out. So this is compared yeah. to the thirty percent or lower seen in like PlayStation and Apple and all that. Um, yeah. So they are. So that's just like a pitch. It, it, <laughs> it sounds like a game console that would have been made in the 90s designed for like Brazil or like for India or China. Like it doesn't seem like something that's like a 2022 like friendly business practice. Yeah. Especially because like, it sounds like um, it's like powered by essentially like a Super Nintendo Mini. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a, a big part of their pitching. Like whenever, like Talarico, because he's pretty much the spokesperson for it. He's like the yeah. worst of all time. But like he's kind of every time he talks it up, it's kind of aimed at clearly aimed at ignorant parents or grandparents. You know, like just older people who go like, oh, I need a game and I don't want to worry about it. Like a game system, I mean. Yeah. So I'm gonna go get an Amico for hundreds of dollars. It's like um, oh, in television, I remember that from the 80s. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> They probably don't, but like, um, like no one remembers <laughs> the Intellivision, but like, yeah. um, anyway, but that is like part of the plan somehow is also appealing to like old gen, like retro enthusiasts who also apparently don't know better. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's a weird, bizarre idea. Um, so since the 2018 kind of like announcement, um, Amico's had like this really long string of like controversies and it's almost entirely due to Talarico himself. So he kind of he's doing like he's doing and saying everything that a CEO shouldn't be doing or saying, and also Talarico slash Amico has this really scary, like kind of bizarre like Trump like cult that's like been following this whole project around. Um, yeah, which is very strange. It's it's very I'm, weird yeah. watching and like because there's like this one guy like uploads videos like every week and they get yeah. for like fifty views. And and they're all like really like seemingly sincere Amico fandom, and it's, it's really yeah. strange. And they're all like older people; <laughs> they're not kids or anything. I mean, kids would know better, really. But like, yeah, <laughs> anyway, exactly. It's very very strange. So it's like, for example, like ta- like yeah. So just on like Talarico's kind of side of things, like his. So for example, he spends a lot of oh he did spend a lot of time arguing on the entire page. Atari age forum so like the hardcore Atari fans um, and then him and the Amico subject entirely was banned a few months ago 
just because it like completely took over the forum and he was like yeah. always he's like incredibly argumentative um yeah. he, he clearly spends like a lot of his ceo time doing it so he's incredibly hostile to any criticism um he's actually there's yeah. actually a quote from the atari age forums where he calls critics um he has a sense to call them gaming racists or gaming fascists which i don't know where he's God. getting that <laughs> um oh, he has God, a, he sounds like a he seems like gamergate personified or something you know what i mean yeah i actually get to that actually <laughs> that connects kind of um but well like he's been pushing the idea for a while that the switch eShop offers games with quote excessive violence full frontal nudity rape realistic killing drug taking and children in compromising positions um he kind of he, there's like a lot of comments like that where he's like really trying to push the idea that the switch is like just full of like completely r-rated content which is <laughs> yeah what because he's like trying to position himself he's trying to position yeah. it as like nintendo is not on the family side anymore yeah 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 and then wow. and also it was revealed at some point that he actually follows a lot of right-wing and like right-wing people and white supremacists on twitter including the quartering who was a big pusher of gamergate back in the day i was gonna say still probably so familiar yeah he's an awful person um mm. and talarico yeah so he's got He's an interesting, interesting fellow. Um, oh, that's that's so sad because like, uh, like uh, until all of this happened, like over the last couple of years, like I've always like I always thought he was like revered as like, oh hey, this is the person who made the the really awesome Sega soundtracks you remember. But now yeah. I'm just like, Jesus, this guy sucks. Because <laughs> I, I remember like like all this came, I became aware of it like say three years ago when I think like the Intellivision started up and then. I think they brought like a prototype, quote prototype to um, to like CES or something, and they were so secretive about the hardware and everything. And I think what happened was someone like snuck a photo or something, and it turned out it was just like some off-the-shelf Android thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, yeah, they've been yeah. very, very uh, evasive about like any details on the Amico for the entirety of its since its announcement. So like yeah. anything that's been coming out is because it's like leaked or like accidentally <laughs> revealed or something. Like none of it's on purpose. Yeah, because um, like none of it reflects well, you know. <laughs> like all of it yeah. reflects poorly. Um, anyway, I didn't this even brings know us we're still going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's like um, yeah. So that brings us to the actual news of the subject which is that this week tommy talorica has stepped down as ceo and he's replaced by the former chief revenue officer phil adam um he's still like a creative head he kind of kind of said like i just want to do the fun stuff <laughs> i don't really want to do any of the hard stuff so someone else is taking over the hard stuff um he said i want to spend more time on forums and twitter yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like he doesn't seem to do much else um so at the same time as this change, Intellivision has launched their fourth fundraising effort. Um, each one has been on a different platform. This one's on, I, th- I believe, Start Engine. Um, it on the on the fundraising site, it says it wants five million. As of recording, it only has only ra- raised thirty six thousand. Is not very <laughs> is very far away. Um, so, but. As part of the new fundraising campaign, for legal reasons, a number of a lot of new details about the Amico's and like entire operating setup has been revealed. Like a lot of stuff that's been you know speculated for a long time. Um, yeah, and a lot of it looks really badly 
for in television. Um, so basically, as of last financial year, they were $8.7 million in debt with a $3.2 million loss for the year. Of course they were. And they have 428 cash, 428,000 on hand, cash on hand. So they're not doing great in that respect. Um, the retail price of the Miko will be at least 250. It may be right, raised to $350 US. So I'm pretty sure that's well, like I'm, that's well over the cost of a Swiss. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty certain. Um, so God. launch is expected to start within six months somehow. As, as I've been following it, it's, I'm surprised they can even do that. But I'm guessing this new CEO will get things together to some degree. Um, that will include manufacturing 2,000 to 5,000 units per month. Um, another one <laughs> confirms um, that all games will be NFTs, which is fun. <laughs> um, there will only be 15 games at launch, um, and six will be pack-ins, which I think we kind of already knew, but I think a yeah. lot of it's to do with just how few games there will be alt- overall. Like, I don't think anyone's expecting more games, basically, following that. Um, if they get to 15 at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then it gets into some like more kind of gritty details. So they paid $1.35 to Arc, a company to manufacture the Amico's, like the physical consoles. Um, but they had a contract dispute and they, they might not, like they may, Amico oh, in television may have just lost that $1.3 million altogether. Um, that probably adds to the debt. Um, their auditor that kind of went over all the entire operation for the funding as the effort, they issued a quote, going concern opinion with substantial doubts that they will succeed as a business um, without additional financing. It says, quote, based on current fundraising strategies, it is estimated that the company can operate until July 2022 without generating any revenue. If no other sources of capital are raised and if only the minimum 10K is raised as part of the as part of the fundraising effort offering, um, the company would only have operating cash for one to two months. Um, yeah, so if they get the full five million they want from this fundraising, which is like Jesus. impossible, it will fund the company for approximately seven to nine months. So, uh, yeah, and then to <sighs> finish off the Fuck. all the debt, so in television owes one hundred eight hundred and ten thousand dollars to Angel Investor. Um, invest, advise, uh, was it? In, angel Investment Advisor, um, Sudesh Agarwal. Um, as part of the arrangement means that Intellivision must pay Agarwal $100 for every Amico sold until the entire balance is paid back. And there's already <laughs> like an, an interest as well <laughs> on top of that. Um, oh, okay. Okay, so the the person replacing the CEO who's essentially run this company to the ground, was the person who was in charge of increasing revenue and <laughs> clearly failed at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what? that sounds right. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, so basically, if anyone was ever thinking about the Amico, which they weren't, um, and television is basically in like insane debt, um, this Amico thing was either going to come out suddenly and then never again, or it won't come out at all. Because I think that's part of the agreement for the fundraiser is that they don't actually have to release anything um, if they they can't. Um, and yeah, so it's it's yeah. So just to, like I guess it's like a reminder. It's like oh, remember the Amico? It's not happening probably. And they're into NFTs apparently. So 
So now we can look back at the Ouya and say, you know what? That actually wasn't. I'm glad that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that always made much more sense because I remember being so excited for the Ouya when it was like a Kickstarter. And I was yeah. like, I was younger. <laughs> and Dude, I was like, oh, everyone was yeah. keen. It's, a cool, it's not a bad idea still. I yeah. think it's like, it's... Um, yeah, I, I think it became like, eventually just became like an emulation box. Yeah. And that's what people turned it into since it was basically like an Android console. Yeah. And like, I think it had like one of the worst <laughs> controllers ever or something. Yeah. But, it's yeah. A, you know, it's like, well, compared to the Ouya, the Amico is just... <laughs> like, yeah. the Ouya is just incredible. The Ouya at least had Towerfall. I think that was yes. the, the big breakaway hit from there. And yeah, I think it also was like a competent streaming box. Like oh, Netflix. right. Yeah, that makes sense. But, but like... Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so I don't, wanted to go into that because I was finished in it. And it's been don't, don't, don't fundraise anything, people. Just wait till it's a... Un- unless you've got money to throw away. Like, seems like don't sign up for any Kickstarter or anything ever because you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I really feel like burning money. So yeah. let's throw it into this hole. But um <laughs> yeah, so that kind of oh, wraps man. up the Amico altogether, I think. We probably yeah. won't mention it again. Um <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I guess it y- the way you've summarized it in the doc that we're looking at here is that Intellivision isn't crazy debt, R. I. P. Amico. I think that's appropriate. That should be like the episode title. <laughs> R.I.P. <Yeah>. Amico. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even live, really. Um, well, speaking of things coming to an end, let's bring the new segment to a close. And why don't we talk about some of the, uh, I guess, some of the pop culture we've been absorbing over the past week. John, you've uh, you finally watched Spider-Man: No Way Home. Yes, I finally got to it. It's like so much later than like it's still could. in cinemas. Yeah, definitely. But it's like, um, it's like when did you watch it? Like a month ago. <laughs> yeah, like whenever it came out. Yeah, yeah. Like I tried it's, to avoid all the spoilers and everything. Yeah, it's um no, it would have been more than a month ago because it came out in last year. I think it would have been December. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's like I think I mentioned last time. Like, when you watched it, that, like, with the Raimi movies, something I really liked when I was watching the original trilogy was mm. how many more, like, dramatic scenes, like, interpersonal scenes there were in those movies. Yeah. Like, you really... Like, I really... I have a lot of, like... I have strong memories for those original, like, Raimi characters, personally. Mm. Um, I guess just because the age I watched them as well. But, like, um, yeah, that's what I found really... I really enjoyed that about this one, was how many, like, just characters talking scenes... Which I feel Marvel MCU movies don't have a ton of typically. Like they no. they always have a you know them at some point, but like the Raimi movies had like a big focus on them, and they yeah. always did them well. So I was like, I was kind of that's something I really enjoyed about No Way Home. Is I kind of got back to what those movies did really well, and you know did it well in its own right. And like, um, and it's like there are actual consequences in this one. I feel like in so many Marvel films, like nothing really goes wrong. Yeah. Until like, you know, like even, I guess like the what happened in Age of Ultron with Sokovia or whatever, that became like a big turning point and that's what caused, you know, the rift in Civil War and stuff. But I feel like in terms of individual movies, they aren't really, 
like like here you can you can definitely feel the pain that's like you can feel the burden of being spider-man you know what i mean you can sense it here yeah it's like it's like genuinely heartbreaking which Mm. these movies so rarely get to those kind of emotions yeah like it's like and it like really ends in a satisfying but sad way like it doesn't like wrap everything else up like wrap everything up for you know just to kind of make you feel better it's like it really ends it in a good way like a you know appropriate way yeah um, and it's yeah like i mean we'll go on a like i guess spoilers is that you know there's there's like there's like a redemption arc or there's like there's there's genuine growth uh for peter parker here and i i really i really felt that the writers understood the motivations or the characters of you know Toby Maguire's Peter Parker versus Andrew Garfield's and I think they did a really good job of portraying them honestly and mm. like and made them act and and speak the way that you'd expect to if they were facing you know another Peter Parker who they had the opportunity to help right yeah as like I he- I'd heard that Garfield like you know Spider-Man 2 oh, mm. I don't know how to say it. yeah anyway middle Garfield that's right um middle of spider-man <laughs> um <laughs> anyway that spider-man like i remember hearing good things about his performance you know because he hasn't yeah. been in the role for a little while and he's become like a stronger actor than he already was and it's like he's kind of come back mm. to it with like you know writing that really respect like tries to give him a notable identity within the trio which yeah. i'm not sure i don't know it's been a long time since i watched those like garfield movies um mm. i'm not sure how they were but they you know like you definitely yeah, they definitely like characterized each each character well. Like and, they like, were different. Yeah, and the villains they did such a, like I was I was kind of reminded like oh man these like these villains had like such good actors attached and like the film like the direct like the people making the movie knew it you know like they really gave yeah. them scenes to shine. Like Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina. Like yeah. what? Like, like think this, about the caliber of actors. Yeah, it's like, like they're so like perfect for like chewing the scenery in the way yeah. you kind of, I kind of forget don't doesn't happen that much with a lot of these you know current movies. Like yeah, like, you know their actors are always good, but like you know there's so few like memorable performances. Or well, yeah. I'm not sure how true that is. I don't know, but it's like it really does remind you how strong they were in those roles. And it's like even like Jamie Foxx was able to get like get a second go at it in a way that was like actually quite memorable, like playing Electro. Mm. I was like, I, yeah. I enjoyed him in it. Like, it's clear he like had was more invested. <laughs> in, yeah, he had more fun in this. Yeah, and it's like, um, like, yeah, like I, I really liked the first Andrew Garfield Spider Man. Like, I, I think, I think that that was like, like a really good. I, uh, I think that was fun, and I liked his characterization of Spider Man. Like, I, I've said this before. If Tobey Maguire Spider Man was like more of the Ultimate Spider Man depiction from the 90s you know the very like kind of angsty kind of like i don't know like uh whatever that that kind of that period of time like was very reflective reflected in his portrayal of spider-man like it was he was like a very 90s grunge spider-man and then you had the andrew garfield who was like kind of the quippy um like quippy but unlucky guy that is more like what I remember of the Spider-Man, you know, the classic TV show from like the seventies or whatever. Like he, yeah. his portrayal was more like consistent with that character. And then Tom Holland's was like 
uh, like different again. Like he kind of like he, he I mean obviously he he was much younger so he genuinely could pull off the high school aesthetic but you you definitely got more of a sense of the like the idea of what it's like to be a Spider-Man in high school. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like they they all did a good job of like yeah, like basically what we said. Like they it was like really nice to see them identified so strongly, like and distinctly yeah. from one another. Um I yeah, was and like yeah, sorry. Oh, no, I was like I was kind of like what were you gonna say? I was gonna say like how was it um Homecoming, Spider Man Homecoming was kind of like another like Iron Man film. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like nice to feel like one of these like even though this one was like so inherently messy it ends up feeling yeah. far more focused because it like has like and, a real strong theme at the core of it you know like about like you know what's yeah. like you know heroism and how what it means to spider-man and stuff yeah and i think the spider-man films did a better job of i guess like the only exception like of actually connecting multiple mcu characters you know whether it was uh spider-man and whether well, it was Peter Parker and Tony Stark, and then in the second one being more like, okay, this is uh, Peter Parker and Happy Hogan, um, you know, kind of mourning the loss of a mutual friend, and then you know the the responsibility passed down to someone who is an Avenger, you know, and then like number three, this was like the interaction between the different Spider Men and and Doctor Strange. So, I mean, Doctor Strange wasn't in it, like, really that much. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like this... I think this kind of, like, redeems... It, it makes you think of the previous Spider-Mans better than you than they actually are. <laughs> like like Spider-Man oh. 3 and, and Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I, re- I rewatched the... Yeah, because like I said, I rewatched like the Raimi movies and I was like, 3 is like much better than people tend to make it out to be, I feel. It's like people remember yeah. it in a harsher way dancing. than it really was. Yeah, it's like... And even that is like thing. it largely fits into the movie because it's like Raimi's style is so campy to begin with. So it's yeah. like it tends to jump between tones pretty readily anyway. But like... Um, yeah. I'm no, somewhat of a scientist myself. Like, there's so many cool callbacks there. Yeah, it is. Although, I will say that it's like the one thing that stood out was like, I think even though I liked the, you know, Garfield and Maguire coming back, I felt the movie yeah. became really, it started getting really indulgent past that point in a way that I thought I kind of brought the movie down a bit. Because like, otherwise, like movie's like pretty focused and like, like it kind of keeps its time like it well, uses its time well because it has such a big yeah. story, and then once the Spider Men arrive, it ends up kind of has like these really long scenes of them interacting, and like the first yeah. one's really good when they're talking about you know the responsibility responsibility line with like Aunt May and Uncle yeah. Ben. That scene was yeah. very good, and then every other scene felt a little like it was like a little I don't know. It was kind of like spending Here's a lot of quip. time. Here's another quip. Yeah, and like, because the one thing I was really interested yeah. in was, like, learning what happened. Like, they kind of, they give hints at it in a really effective way, like, what happened afterwards, happened? like, with Garfield yeah. kind of getting really bitter than Toby McQuire. It's like, I don't think, they barely fill in the gaps with him, except that he apparently got a happy ending of some sort. Yeah, like, he settled down and he still wears the suit underneath his normal clothes, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I guess you can, you can never... um like kind of give it up, but like I, I love how um the uh, the like oh you know I've got this thing in my back 
and, and oh, yeah. like, kind of like little callbacks like that. Yeah, because that like, makes sense. Like he's he's in his forties now. Yeah, that was yeah. Because like those scenes were like nice, but they ended up, I felt that was a bit too much of it to a point. Yeah, I think it was like, like, oh, you're Peter Parker one, I'm Peter Parker number two, and then this, yeah, yeah. It's like yes, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Basically, it's like kind of ends up making these scenes like a little longer than they probably need to be. But you know, they're all still nice and like nice to see and stuff. I think that's the idea. It's like they tried to have mm. as much content as they could because people would like enjoy seeing it. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's fan service. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> like I, I loved it. Like when I because I didn't know that the other Spider-Men were going to be in there. Oh, okay. So like when I was in the in the theater, I was I was like cheering. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> and my wife's like. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Didn't you know? Everyone knew. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, my, my sister was, didn't know either. Yeah. But she keeps like, she like actively tries to avoid anything. Yeah. We got like, so like I was trailers. like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, like, you got it. I'm like, oh no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh yes. And then <laughs> um, like, okay. I think I could forgive all the stuff about, um, the, you know the indulgence and blah 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 if the story didn't have the obligatory existential threat of the universe and mysterious beams in the sky like i don't think that was necessary i think you could tell a good enough story by showing you know the green goblin wreaking havoc without requiring you know the universe like bringing in anyone who knew spider-man coming in you know what i mean like that what do you think about that uh you're probably right i feel like it might have been a way to more like it was definitely something to like you know kind of give the movie like a dramatic peak but also like probably bring strange in to like wrap up his like kind of side of the story maybe yeah but like uh, but like it's kind of like a thing where it's like it it could have been implied you know what i mean Mm. rather than like shown here because it really wasn't necessary oh Uh, yeah which, which part you mean like the part at the end where it's like, oh, you can see all the beings from the other dimensions coming in, and it's like they're breaking through. I'm like, you could have just made it like Green Goblin's wreaking havoc. He wants to, he he's now discovered that he's got a life back that he never had, and you know whatever ramifications that means. And then like maybe it's like a ramification where it's like, okay, we're trying to stop them from going back to their reality and causing havoc there. You know what I mean? Like that could have been a a cool story instead of the oh we got to stop the the blue beam in the sky from happening or whatever it is yeah i guess if it's like trying to stop them yeah i don't know there probably was like kind of a cleaner ending you could do but yeah i'm not sure what it it's is. like we're gonna stop the green goblin from going back to his timeline and then you know like taking all the advanced technology from our timeline and taking it back there and then causing havoc same thing with like electro or, or you know whatever in in the garfield movies yeah, I'm sorry, I, but the Garfield movies didn't get good villains. Yeah, I, I did like that. It kind of tried to it like spent so like the you know core theme of the story like of the film is trying to like is humanizing the villains and like their role yeah. in history and like in like you know the idea that they're just like a stepping stone in Spider-Man's story and how they feel about that is like yeah. I I really enjoyed that part of it. There's like a lot of the story that works better than you'd think for a movie that's just like essentially fan service centric you know mm. it's like it works way better than it really should considering especially considering it's like i would argue it's better than the last two movies but um mm. yeah i think like spider-man far from home doesn't really have memorable moments i think yeah. the most memorable moment was like um 
you know, when he gets rescued by Happy Hogan and then he, he sees a new suit and he has to make his own suit. I think that's the only like memorable moment I can think of. Oh. And maybe maybe some of the trippy stuff with the like the when he's chasing Nick Fury, but it turns out it's like all these like hallucinations and shit. Yeah, I think the like, other part. Yeah, the part I remember from that because I was disappointed by that one. I think because partly I kind of set up the homecoming a bit too high in my mind. Mm. I mean hindsight, but like um, I think homecoming like, is a good movie. It is, but like Genuinely. I remember watching it kind of recently, and it's like, oh, this is kind of messier than I remember. But and also like oh, okay. I I found the first half much better because I really liked the comedy and the character stuff, and then that stuff kind yeah. of drops off as it goes on. But um, <laughs> yeah, then it becomes a Marvel movie. Yeah, basically. But like in like yeah. Far From Home, I really liked the you know when Mysterio is like at the bar and he's yeah. like revealing his entire plan, or he's like talking through his like the heist element and stuff. Like, I remember enjoying that part a lot. But otherwise, mm. I felt it was kind of I don't know. I I didn't I didn't enjoy it as for much as the first one. I think because I like I mostly yeah. just want like teen comedy. <laughs> I think with this version, like I like that's like yes. that's why a big part of its appeal to me with Holland is like. Mm. it's very charming and i kind of want to see a lot yes. of that interaction definitely uh, yeah definitely I, oh that's right i was just saying like because i was kind of disappointed not to get like more resolution with the other spider-man that would like i would actually wouldn't mind if they did what if episodes for him like i was thinking like oh i wouldn't oh, yeah. i think that'd be a good way of wrapping it up because you don't need to film like an entire thing but you can like you just yeah. get their voices back because i'd like i'd really yeah. want to know actually because i'm very invested in the Maguire spider-man so i'd really like yeah. that yeah, like what if? Yeah, like what if um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man had to work with Tom Holland's Spider-Man because in the alternate universe, you know, Green Goblin got back, you know, got back to his timeline and is wreaking havoc, or like you know, is using that technology to bring back his son, or you know, things like that. That could be cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like I, I think I mostly just want to see what happens after three, just because it's like. Mm. I don't know. I know. I'm invested. Well, there was in a plan for four, wasn't there? Like, it yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was that was meant to have the vulture in it. I think. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, right. So. Oh, okay. So homecoming yeah. kind of like took some of the ideas. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, yeah. I um, oh, I think there was another point I was meant to make, but I forget now. But it's um, oh. Oh yeah, that was another thing. I was like a small thing. I was like because you mentioned like you know because strange is part of it from like the beginning mm. and then in the end and i was thinking about how like i i, I seem to enjoy strange every time he shows up more <laughs> like every yeah. time he's like every time he appears again it's like oh i like like i'm really i don't know like uh whatever the actor's name is uh, Cumberbatch. right i don't know how i yeah. could forget that name um <laughs> but it's like every time he shows up in the role again he seems to kind of a slightly better job like like ever since the first yeah. movie it's like his pitch has been getting i'm not sure if he's getting better so much as Maybe it's just since the first movie he started really nailing it. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe he figured out his his way to portray it. Yeah. And also, like, I think his accent's a bit more consistent. Now. Yeah, that's what to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I mean, he's basically like Tony Stark. He's kind of filled in kind of the Tony's... I was going to say Tony Snark, but maybe that's that's <laughs> probably not the appropriate thing. But yeah, he kind of fills in that sarcasm, that kind of witty, like, like kind of... Uh, foil for spider-man yeah but i like how they kind of embrace the idea that he is like actually just kind of a jerk generally like he's a good person yeah. but he's like it's not like iron man where there's always meant to be like more sympathy than that character's probably yeah. needs whereas yeah. like with dr strange yeah. it's always pretty 
okay with the audience thinking he's kind of like you know not liking him entirely at least yeah so like like, like tony stark had an arc like he had development like i don't think dr strange really has changed that much yeah it's great yeah because <laughs> it's like it's pretty <laughs> accurate to the comics i think it, like i don't have a ton of experience with it but it's like in the comics it's basically exactly how he's in the show where he's like this you know dimensional guard who's like doesn't really yeah. care about anyone else's feelings and just yeah. kind of does what he needs to do regardless like i like how they <laughs> portray him like that still yeah um uh, and, yeah, and like the idea was like oh you know we, you were meant to close the gate but someone forgot to do it and then you just uh it's just it's just silly it's i just love those like little things that they just pass off as like being just normal and you're like wait a minute this is if you actually think about it this is pretty pretty like crazy yeah <laughs> yeah they do good uh, with those little moments what what did you think about the end scene like the post credit scene where it was i don't remember what the mid credit scene was but I do remember the end credit scene, like post credits, where it was like literally a trailer, like the literally yeah. the the trailer for uh, Doctor Strange two. Yeah, I actually ended up being really frustrated because I already knew about it and I'd already seen it like ages ago. Because I think it, like I think it was officially released already as well, like you know not long after oh, it really? came out. Yeah. Or at least I saw it already. <laughs> I'm not, like I guess I might have seen a cam, but like um, I was just like, this is just lazy yeah that's kind of like i was really annoyed that i forgot that's because i already knew it was at the end and it's been like a month or something i was like oh like like the trailer started it's like oh damn it like i waited like five minutes at least to watch this again (laughs) and my my like my sister was annoyed as well because she doesn't like watching trailers (laughs) like almost ever even though it doesn't make much sense but like she'll watch whatever so it's like she tends to yeah she prefers not to have trailers if she's gonna watch it already so it's like makes sense we're both trailers show a lot (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> but it uh, kind of spoils things. It's not but a particularly yeah, good trailer either. Scene for it. Um, no, it wasn't. It's like um, I don't know. It's like um, it's like one of those like typical things. It's like I need you for one more mission. It's like I didn't, I'm retired. It's like no, but this is really important. And then they're like, okay. <laughs> it's, it's it's just oh uh, yeah, with Wanda. She, <laughs> yeah, she's just like growing apples or something. Yeah, I don't know what she's doing. It's yeah, like, she's like she's like picking apples in this like completely isolated orchid. Yeah, because like remember at the end of One Division, like she just is like moved to Alaska. Like I feel like everyone when they retire, like they just moved to like the woods or whatever. I have no idea why that happens, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like seeing Wonder again reminded me just how annoyed I found. Like I, I didn't, I really didn't like the One Division ending, like because it felt like it really waved off a lot of her actions throughout it. Like, remember, like, did he watch it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like... like sh- oh, it's, it's, if you actually think about it, it's pretty fucked up what you did. Because it's, re- like, it's like, it seems so... The show is, like, aware of it. Because, like... But yeah. it, but at the end, it kind of, like, waves... Like, it has, it. like, the like um the new, like, superhero character who, like, who gets the powers in the show. I forget her name. Uh, like the, Rambo. Something yeah, Rambo. Yeah, that's right. The daughter of the original Captain Marvel character. A lot of links. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's like her going. It's like I uh, like you know these people can't ever understand what you went through. I was like, I'm pretty sure they don't care too much. It's like <laughs> I don't think it matters. It's like that yeah, was like really like, frustrating. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, she imprisoned 300 plus people for like you know months, 
kept yeah. them away from their families and like you know in, in, in imprisoned in their minds like yeah and then she like <laughs> imprisons the villain <laughs> for like ever or like she turns yeah. her into the like it's really brutal for some and it's like clearly thinking the re- audience is gonna react differently yeah and it's like that was i found that very frustrating to that series because it's otherwise like has a really good grasp on the story it's telling and at the end it, it's like so soft it's like oh like it's like i don't know but anyway the trailer reminded me of that <laughs> it's like oh that's yeah. right i was annoyed at that um so anyway. so does she okay so she is she is what's her does she so she she does become a power right so she oh. so she's got like some powers from oh, from she the like, hex like from the spell or something right she absorbed some energy or something. Oh, I actually don't remember how it ended exactly. I just remember her discovering yeah. that she has like chaos energy or whatever. Yeah. Or something like that. And then I actually don't remember how it resolves exactly. Like it, where she ends up power-wise. But I think you're right. I think she does get more. Yeah, she's just more powerful now. So she can... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she can rewatch it, I guess. But like... Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, it's... Oh, anyway. Like, but kind of, like, to wrap, wrap it up, I guess. It's like, I enjoyed Spider-Man plenty. Like, I think I was, like... I was a little disappointed at the ending. Like, or not the ending. Like, the, um, you know, final part. But not, but only because it was, like, not as succinct as the rest of it. Because mm. I thought it had, like, a really good grasp on... It's... I guess it's runtime, generally. Um, mm. Which is, feels abnormal from MCU film, which is usually tends to be a bit... I don't know. They're not terrible or anything, but... It was kind of nice to watch one of these where it like really moved along at a nice pace. Yeah. But um. Yeah. Yeah. And, Otherwise, and, and um, sorry, and uh, Monica Rambeau, like the character that, the daughter of the Air Force pilot from Captain Marvel, like the the best friend character. Hmm. Uh, apparently, the Marvels, which is a movie coming out next year, that's going to be starring Carol Danvers, uh. you know, Captain Marvel. Kamala Khan, which is Miss Marvel, and Monica Rambeau. So, right, I forgot. Maybe that she <laughs> becomes the new Captain Marvel. I don't know. I oh, know she's like another character. What happens. Like she's got like she's another comic character who's got like a specific name. I forget what it is. Because mm. um, it's got to do with like phasing and somehow I don't remember. Anyway, but yeah, <laughs> because, she's, yeah, yeah. Go on, sorry. Because Miss Marvel was in. In uh, the Marvel Avengers game, right? Isn't that like the character, like Kamala Khan? Yeah, yeah. She's like a fan of it, but then she becomes a real one. There's or like something. Man, we're getting oh. right into the weeds. But and I was gonna say Miss Marvel. Okay. Oh <laughs> my god. Miss Marvel is the show that's coming out. I think next year or this year. Yeah, and they've kind of changed their powers a little bit, so now it's not like yeah. stretchy like in the games and comics. It's like crystally. I don't know. It's gonna be Who odd. Knows? <laughs> yeah because i think okay, it's mid 2022 okay so it's probably like like what do we have we had one division then we had falcon and winter soldier then we had hawkeye next is uh, moon knight and i think this might be the mid-year release and then end of the year we're not sure what what the uh other thing is because it'll probably be mixed it'll probably be mandalorian or probably be somewhere around there right probably because i think they tend to space all these <laughs> no, shows around i'm talking about mcu <laughs> Yeah, I, I know. I'm saying it's like they tend to, Disney Plus like tends to space all these big budget yes. shows around. Yes, so yep. it'll probably be somewhere there. Like it's but like you have one ends couple of months gap and then the next thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, uh, yeah, Moon Knight's not far away. Yeah, it's not, is it? 
It's this mm. month, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah, it's after Boba Fett. That's right. Which we'll March. talk about next week. Yeah. So I guess that'll, like, that's the elephant in the room. Episode five and six of uh, the book of Boba Fett. We will, we'll probably do like a proper in-depth discussion of ep- of those episodes as well as like a recap of the the whole season um next week uh so keep an eye out uh keep an ear out for that one i guess um yes. but just just to quickly touch on you did watch a movie called Matt Labor uh, sorry Pat Labor the movie which is a mecha film and yes. i'm a huge fan of mecha anime so i'm i'm surprised i've never heard of this before Oh, okay. Uh, well, we can get into it next week if you want. So uh, run a bit long, maybe, because I like because I, yeah. I kind of want to have a full discussion about that, even though you haven't seen it. So I kind of like to. We should yeah let's do leave that. some time let's, for that. Let's do it. Uh, okay, so it's directed by Mamoru Oshii, the person behind Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, it's very. Oh. It's of that era of anime. Not in that I've seen a ton of them, but it's that that era of anime films where they just look incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, it like it looks like it's amazing, but it's got a lot of interesting quirks, or not quirks, but yep. I don't know as a mecha thing because you've I think you've seen more of it just by virtue of seeing Gundam at all, like Gundam and stuff. Yep. So I'd be kind of interested <laughs> to see how you think of how I describe okay. it. I I am um, what? Yeah, I got to watch this. Yeah, I'll, sick. Yeah. Yeah. I'll 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 figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sweet. As always, you can send in your questions to podcast at doublejump.co. Uh you know, you can disagree with what we've said. Ask us, you know, some questions you'd like answered in next week's show. Uh, we, we hope to read them out loud next week. Um, but I guess, like, before we sign off, a uh, quick shout-out to MAME, so multi-arcade, I think it's multi-arcade machine emulation, uh, an open-source kind of game preservation slash emulation project that just turned 25. And wow. it's it's kind of one of the the main pieces of software where you can actually play classic arcade games all the way from like you know the 60s 70s coin ops to i guess like you know capcom fighters through to a bit i think it goes pretty like pretty deep to like newer daytonas and stuff so you know definitely like really really thankful for everyone who's been involved in the project over the years and if folks at home who might be interested uh head over to uh, modern vintage gamer on youtube to uh who's got a i guess a kind of like a retrospective look at it um, okay yeah it's a really cool really cool uh video to watch so definitely recommend everyone have a look at that and i'll include that in the show notes for this week as well awesome well that's going to do it for another episode of double jump radio um as always double jump radio is made possible thanks to the support of our wonderful members uh, if if you'd like, you too can support Double Jump by heading to doublejump.co slash memberships and signing up today. And if you like what you heard today, feel free to follow us, subscribe to the podcast on wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, Podcatcher, etc. And yeah, it's uh, always, always great to see uh, new faces pop up in our community Discord. Um, if you go over to doublejump.co, you'll find all of our awesome articles as well as links to all of our socials and a link to all of our previous episodes.
John, it's uh, been a bit of a, uh, it's been a, ended up being a bit of a bump episode just by the virtue of talking of, about Spider-Man and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tommy Tellerico, apparently. <laughs> yeah, odd episode this week. Uh, next yeah. week will be a bit normal, I think, with all the Nintendo news and yep. at least that. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, as you said, nice bumper episode this week. Mm, mm. Yes, looking definitely looking forward to talking Star Wars next week. It's um, yeah, it's one of those things where I think I think Star Wars like hits so many different on so many different levels, and everyone's got their own different op- opinions on it. That it's it's always always a fascinating discussion. Well, for me anyway, for us. <laughs> yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed too. <laughs> yeah, Boba Fett will go on for a while, I bet. When we talk about it, <laughs> maybe we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, everyone at home, thank you so much for listening. And as always, look out for one another. Peace. See ya.